are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Hey, good morning. You know, one of, the, one of the blessings in my life, I believe one of the greatest gifts that God has given me and my family is letting us be a part of Bethany First Church and being a part of this faith community. We love it. And we feel so grateful and so blessed to be part of this church. And we love journeying with Jesus with you. And we believe that we're growing in our faith together. In fact, there's some things coming up I want to talk to you about. One is that in the month of July, uh, we will all come together to worship on Sunday morning. So there'll be one service, and I think that's at 1030. But make plans now to be a part of that. I believe God has given us clear direction as a church of where He wants us to go. And so in the month of July, I know that you take a vacation, but you don't go every Sunday of July. And so if you're in town, I want to make sure that you're here and talk to you about where God's leading us as we move into the future. Also, next Sunday is Father's Day. And uh, you know what? It's an opportunity. It really is. So if you're a dad and you have a, a, a child, son or a daughter who's maybe not following Jesus or maybe not attending church, um, I, I just want to challenge you from the heart of a father. I've been in that position before. Um, just say to your, your, your son or daughter, why, why don't you go to church with me on Father's Day? It might cost you lunch, but to have them with you on church in church on Father's Day would be awesome. And who knows, they may come back the next Sunday and the next Sunday. I'm feeling a little chatty, can you tell, this morning before I get started? Um, didn't you appreciate the worship this morning? I loved it, loved it. <laughs> Kyle Owen is on vacation, and uh, the worship team did a great job. I remember my first Sunday here, it was four years ago. And I sat right there, and, and I remember this little boy played the guitar in worship. And I asked somebody, who was the little boy who played guitar? Is that common to let children play in the band? And, and it was Alex, the guy that helped lead worship this morning. That was four years ago. And man, God has worked powerfully in Alex, and he is so proud of you. I can't find you, but I'm proud of you, wherever you are. Man, that's just awesome. Just awesome. All right, you ready to go? Here we go. Do you think there's ever been a time in the history of the world that human beings have pursued money like we pursue money now? I can't imagine that there's ever been a time in the history of the world where human beings have pursued money and material possessions like we pursue money and material possessions now. So there's this guy who attends our church, great guy, and, and, he, and he was telling me about this job change, okay? So we were talking about it, and, and in the conversation it comes up that it's going to be more money. And he said something to me that seemed totally countercultural. He says, but here's what I've decided. If I don't like it, and if I'm not happy... And if it causes me too much stress and not enough joy in my life, I'm not staying with it. Because what we've been through as a family, we decided a long time ago that money isn't everything. We live in a world where if you use the phrase, I can make more money, it justifies almost any decision that you make. If you simply say, but I can make more money, then everybody kind of shakes their heads and says, oh, well, then I understand. If you can make more money, you probably should do it. 
So, I want to say something to you this morning, okay? This comes from God's Word. Contentment is not determined by your financial state. Contentment is not dependent on your financial situation. And the reason we struggle with language like that is because we are so influenced by our culture. And I'm going to say something in these next few moments, and it's going to rub a little bit, but I'm going to be honest with you, okay? And here's what I want to say. Most of us are not convinced that money is not the recipe for contentment. Most of us struggle to be convinced that money is not the recipe for contentment. So let me take you to God's Word and show you what I'm talking about, okay? We're in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading with verse 6, okay? 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 6. Now, here's what's going on. Now, you you might even find this amazing that 2,000 years ago, there were some false teachers. And you know what they were teaching? They were teaching that if you were godly, it might be a way to financial gain. I mean, it's all the prosperity gospel teaching that you're on television today. It was happening 2,000 years ago when the gospel was brand new. There were teachers who were saying, you know what, if you were godly, it just might mean a little cash for you, okay? And we know that some of these false teachers were using the teaching of the gospel for financial gain. And so in response to that, here's what the Apostle Paul says. But godliness, now that's a value of the kingdom of God, right? Godliness with contentment, now that's great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that, right? Oh, that wasn't very strong. Okay. I, I don't know that I can say right. If we have food, something to eat, and we have some clothing, just something to cover ourselves with, then we can just say, I'm content, right? Uh, do you really mean it? I mean, is there something? Maybe. That, uh, that's the kind of honesty I'm looking for. Is anybody saying, Rick, I don't know that I can say I would be content if I had some food to eat today and I had clothing today. I don't know that I can say I'm content. I think I'm going to ask you, so what kind of clothes are we talking about? What kind of food are you talking about? The, the rest of the paragraph is this big red warning light. You ready? Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The next sentence is similar. For the love of money, wanting to get rich, right? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The next is a similar statement. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So this is God's word for us today. Amen? Amen. All right. So once in a while... There will be a preacher in maybe the U.S. who gains kind of national notoriety. He becomes somewhat popular. Maybe that preacher might even counsel presidents. It's happened several times in my lifetime. And sometimes those preachers have moral failure. And when they fall, they fall in front of the nation and they fall in front of the world. And it's really er ugly and it's really messy. One of those preachers 
was able to stay true all the way through. And his name is Dr. Billy Graham, okay? So Dr. Billy Graham is now 97 years old. And he was being interviewed one time about the fact that he has been able to stay on a pretty narrow and straight path throughout his ministry. And even though he was very popular, it didn't go to his head. And even though he had great power because he counseled every president, it didn't go to his head. And he was able to remain pure. And so somebody said to him, how do you think you were able to maintain that kind of a life? And here's what he said. Three things. When I was very young, I vowed that I would never touch. The first thing I vowed I would never touch was the glory. I would never take the credit. I would never let what people say to me go to my head. I would always say, no, it's God. God working through me. The second thing I said I would never touch the women. I was going to remain sexually pure no matter what. And I took every precaution that I could make to stay sexually pure. The third thing I said I would never touch, I said I would never touch the money. I would never love money. So, so here's the deal. In this scripture I read to you, the Word of God is really clear. Money isn't evil. There's nowhere in the Bible that says money is a bad thing or that money is an evil thing. The Bible is very clear and in the scripture it spells it out with words that are more simple than I can give you in any other way. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. And so what what happens when you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see in front of you a railroad crossing, but there are red lights flashing on both sides and there's this little wooden arm that falls down. And what is happening is somebody is trying to warn you that there is a train coming. And if you ignore those warnings, you know what's going to happen? It's going to mean devastation in your life. Whatever you do, don't ignore the warnings. And what happens in the last half of this paragraph are warnings. There's three of them. And the warnings are all about love for money and the desire for money. Let, let, me, let me read them to you. It kind of works out like this. Here's what he says. He says simply these words. Those who want to get rich, do you feel the desire in the, in the statement? This is what I want. Sometimes I meet people and they just say to me, here's, here's my deal. I want to be rich. I talked to someone not very long ago. He said, I was raised in a pastor's home. We were very poor. I decided when I got older, I was going to be rich. I just wanted to be rich. I was tired of not having money. What I wanted, I wanted to be rich. I wanted money. That's what I wanted. And Paul says, to those who want to get rich, to those who love money, to those who desire money, I mean, the lights are flashing, the bars coming down. Be careful, there's devastation. Sometimes their life ends in destruction. And then he says another phrase, for the love of money. You hear the desire again? It's a person who says, I love money. I mean, I can't lie, I love money. I love money so much I can't stand it. I love money. He says, for that person, it's the root of all kinds of evil. Then the third phrase, some people eager for money. I'm just eager for money. I can't help it. I'm eager for money. What can I say? I'm eager for money. Lots of grief in their lives. You know what the bottom line is? These are hard words. Loving money. Following Jesus. Not compatible. 
you agree with that? I can't love money and follow Jesus. It's not possible. You okay with that statement? If I love money, I can't follow Jesus. I can't love God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all my strength, all my mind, and love God like that and still love money. It's not possible. Big week for boxing world. Muhammad Ali had passed away a week ago and Friday was his funeral. He was actually born Cassius Clay in Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky's a great state. Have I ever mentioned to you that I was from a small Kentucky town? He said, I want thousands of people at my funeral, and I want them all to attend for free, and they did. People lined the streets of Louisville as the hearse made miles and miles of loops through the city, people throwing flowers on the hearse. In 1999, he was named by Sports Illustrated the Sportsman of the Century. Pretty big title. At age 22, he won the World Heavyweight Championship of Boxing. He held that title two other times. Known as a philanthropist, lover of people. I was enamored by him when I was a kid. So he was 74 when he died. You know what he was worth? You interested? You know what his net worth was? If he would have cashed out right before he checked out, you know what he would have had in his pocket? $80 million. You know how much he took with him when he left this world? The Bible says you take nothing with you when you go. So let's just think a minute, okay? If, if you think contentment is what you're looking for, and you decided to ignore the advice of the Apostle Paul, and you decide you're going the path of money, okay? How much money does it take to be content? So if you had Ali's net worth, would that be enough? $80 million. You might say, well, that would be a good start, right? I would be okay with that. Here's the problem. Studies show us over and over again, people who make more money than they used to make really want to make more money. And we learned a long time ago, the reason you motivate people, the way rather you motivate people, you know how you motivate people who have a lot of money? You motivate them with more money. And what happens is our level of living rises... And so now we need more money to support this new level of living that we have because we have more money. And if I just had a little more money, then I would be okay. Usually people talk to me in terms of, I just want enough money to be comfortable. I want enough money to be happy. I want enough money so I never have to worry about money again. But once we get more money, what we want is just a little more money. And it's a lie of the enemy that says one day if you just get enough, you'll be content. And so what Paul does is he says, let me challenge you to think a little differently about life and contentment. Let me take you down this other path. What if you became content with what you have? What if you became content with food and clothing, shelter and 
water. That's it. I mean, if you just had those basic needs in life, what if you found contentment in having just those things? I mean, when Jesus taught us to pray, He didn't say pray for lots of money. He said pray for daily bread, right? Give us this, Lord, today our daily bread. He didn't even say to pray for your bread tomorrow. He said just pray for bread today. What Jesus was doing was He was saying, why don't you just pray for the basic needs in life? And Paul is saying, my goodness, what if you found contentment in those? Because I did. Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state. When I'm well fed, I'm content. When I'm hungry, I'm content. When I have plenty, I'm content. When I'm in need, I'm content. I've learned that my financial situation is not dependent upon my contentment. In fact, the two have very little to do with each other. So what he's really doing is trying to say, do you understand the difference between a need and and a want. It's the difference between what I have to have and what I want to have. It's the difference between desire and necessity. So let's make a list. You want to make a list? All right, so if we made a list, what would go on the list? We'll put it on the screen for you, okay? Um, What I need, what I really have to have versus what I want. So uh, what would you put on the screen for what I need? I mean, things that I just have to have. Uh, What about uh, shelter? Would that be something that you're okay with? Are you saying with me that everybody needs shelter? Is that a basic human need that you cannot live without? Do you need shelter? Are we okay with that? I got some heads shaking at me. We're feeling pretty good here. What about uh, food and water? Is that a basic human need that everybody would say, have to have food and water water for survival? We're we're good with that. What about uh, clothing? The older I get uh, and the more weight I gain, the more of a believer I am that we need clothing. Just cover that stuff up. Nobody ever should have to look at that. Ever again, as long as you live. Just put clothes on all of that. I think that's what it is. So what about, what about health care? Is health care a need? Do you need health care? At some point, you might need health care, huh? You like health care. Is health care a need? I think, I think it begins to get fuzzy. What about uh, hygiene? The person sitting beside you would say, you need hygiene care, right? You need deodorant and soap. Uh, what about a job? Do you need a job? Well, if I'm going to have shelter and food and water and clothing, I probably need a job. But do you really need a job? Do you need a car? You say, well, if I'm going to have a job I need to get shelter, food, and clothing with, I probably need a car to get me to the job. I, I don't know. What, where do the lines begin to get fuzzy? See, um, I think it's kind of like this. This past week, Hugh Hefner, the guy who is the creator of Playboy Enterprises. Sold his home. You know what he was asking for his home? $200 million. So when you say you need shelter, do you need a $200 million shelter or would a $1 million shelter do just fine? You know what I'm saying? Or do you need a half a million dollar shelter? Or how about a $250,000 shelter? Would that be good enough? Would a $100,000 shelter be sufficient? Would a $50,000 shelter, what could you buy for $25,000? Is that shelter? You know what I'm saying? Annette and I were in Brahms. Man, you know, I love Oklahoma and I love Brahms. I just, it's in that order. And, uh... We were there the other night, and we bought some food, and the lady says to me, she goes, you qualify for free waffle cones because you bought over $20 worth of food. And I said, really? We looked at each other as if we had been chosen. We were special or something. (laughs) 
She sets them right in front of us. They're yours. They're free. And you know what we did? We walked right into the trap. We looked at each other and said, we don't have any ice cream at home. She said, this is your day because it's $3 a carton. We said, well, we'll get two cartons. Turned around and we went shopping. I mean, we've just made their marketing device as easy as anybody can make it. We just walked right into the trap. We bought one really good carton of ice cream, chocolate. And then we bought another carton. It wasn't so good. It's got stuff in it. One that Annette picked out. <laughs> do, do, do you know that, that we were never meant to chew our ice cream? No. You can put toppings on your ice cream. Don't put stuff in it. That does not please the Lord in any way, I promise you. No. Is ice cream a need? It's food. Probably in the need. So do you think Paul is saying that we should only buy what we need and we should never buy what we want? No, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying you should know the difference between the two. And you should never count on material possessions or money for bringing you contentment in life. But he does offer you an alternative. So when Mark introduces Jesus onto the stage of world history, here's the first thing that comes out of Jesus' mouth. The kingdom of God has come near. I know you're citizens of another kingdom, but I want to talk to you about a second kingdom to become a part of. Now, most of us are citizens of the United States of America, but most of us are also citizens of the kingdom of God. And we function in the community of God. And the values of the community of God are often different than the values of the communities and the kingdoms of this world, right? And there is a value that we have, and the value is godliness. And that's what he talks about in this passage. I want to talk to you about godliness. So in the Greek, it's, uh, I'm trying to remember what the word is. It's, uh, i got to look at it real quick, eusebia. And eusebia simply means this heart of devotion that results in actions that are pleasing to God. It's this attitude that I love God, I want to serve God, I want to live for God, God is important to me, God is most important to me, and somehow it is so important to me that it has an effect in how I live out my daily life. And Paul says, I don't love money, and I don't want to be rich, and I'm not eager for money, but what I really want And what I really value is to be godly. And godliness is not dependent on our circumstances. And in the next paragraph next week, he just talks about why don't you chase that if you want to chase something. Instead of chasing money, why don't you chase godliness? See if I can wrap this up, okay? So years ago, uh, we were living in Cincinnati, and, and I had told this elderly couple that I would come by their house, visit them, and pray for them. Their names were Ernie and Alma Hodge, and Ernie was pretty sick. And so Morgan was only about fourth grade at the time, and I remember saying to Morgan, Morgan, 
For me to take you home and then go back to see them makes no sense. You can just go with me, okay? She didn't mind. She said, that's fine. And so here we are going together to see this elderly couple. And when we pull up to their house, she reaches for the door handle. I said, wait, I, I, I need to prepare you for this. I said, these, these people are different, okay? I mean, in every way. So like Alma, the, the, the elderly lady, she doesn't have any hair. She's bald. She has a wig, but she won't have it on, okay? And... Um, she has teeth, but she won't have them in. I'm just trying to prepare you for what you're about to experience, okay? Now, if he is able to be up and, and dressed, then they will have matching clothes. Like, they'll have the same shirt and the same pants on. They've done that for 50 years. I don't know why, but they do. But if he's not up, she'll still be in, like, pajama kind of clothes, like a house coat over a gown kind of thing, okay? And when we're in this house, probably five or six other people will come if we're only here for 15 or 20 minutes, honestly, that many people, some will come and eat and leave and some will come and take food. Some will bring food. Some might drop off some stuff in the garage like furniture and some might pick up some stuff in the garage. I know that all sounds weird, Morgan, but that's who these people are. And so sure enough, we go in the house and there's Alma with no hair and no teeth and in this house coat and Morgan looks at me and goes, and I go, and sure enough, some people knock and some people don't, but people are running in and out of that house the whole time we're there and some come to eat and some came to take food with them and some came to bring food, drop off food for somebody else to eat and somebody is back in their truck up to the garage to load a table in it or something like that that Alma's given them. It's just the way they live their lives. At Ernie Hodge's funeral, his son Daryl stood up and said, My dad, my dad fed a neighborhood on the salary of a policeman. Every, every day he came in and he cooked a big, a big pot of something and everybody just came in and ate it. In all these years, people have just learned if you want hungry and you, and you need something to eat, you go to Ernie and Almas. There's something to eat. There's, they always have something to eat. And if you need furniture, you go to Ernie and Almas because there's, there's furniture there. Are they people of means? No. No, they, they, they literally prayed every bill to get paid somehow by God's grace. But they lived their lives with, with no attachment to stuff, no attachment to money. And it was like, well, if we have it here, you can take it. I mean, there's, there's here, and if you need it, you should take it with you. I mean, they just lived their lives completely not in love with money, not in love with material possessions. Just they gave away literally everything they had to the point that they had nothing. Because they believed this was true. You came into the world with nothing. And when you leave, Muhammad Ali, and everybody else, you're going to take nothing out when you go. Nothing. And so they just said, why would we hold on to this stuff? <laughs> we should just give it away. Can you imagine what life would be like if me and Annette lived that way. If me and Annette did not love money so much, what would it be like to have a pastor like that? What would life be like if you lived that way? If really deep down you didn't want to get rich. 
and you weren't eager for money, and you really didn't love money, then what is this community of God really supposed to shape up like? How amazing could we be? I think we pray for grace, don't we? We know that God started something in us. And He's not done. He's still working. And He's not giving up on us. And we're going to seek to be more of what He's called us to be. Agree? And if we got a little food and we got something to wear, we're going to be content with that. Hopefully one day, right? Because God's at work in our hearts. I want you to stand with me, all right? And so I really wanted us this morning to to kind of pause here and not be anxious or anything and take some time to pray. And so here's what I want us to do. There'll be a pastor over here or maybe multiple pastors and pastors over here. And so pastors, help me out here if, if you need to. Jake's coming and... Thaddeus, you in the room? Do I get a yes, yes somewhere? Okay. And uh, somebody else is maybe coming. But here's the deal. If you, if you this morning feel like that you would like to love money less and you would love to really not want to be rich and you'd love to really not want to be eager for money and it's something you want to pray about. Okay, we got altars and time and I just wanted us to take some time to pray. Alex is going to lead us in some songs here in a minute. We're going to do that. And during that time, if you want to come and pray, I just invite you to come and pray, okay? So here we go from there. You ready? Maybe that you've been hanging around for a while. And you've been watching all these other people follow Jesus. And you know in your heart that you've got sin in your life and you'd love to be forgiven. Jesus said to a guy named Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you can be born again. I mean, I can change who you are. I'm talking about a whole new life for you. So this morning, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, I would invite you to come. And you can just come to one of these pastors and tell them what's going on in your heart and they will pray for you, okay? Maybe that you want to be prayed for, for healing. And so there's also oil here. We anoint people because the Bible says to, but we don't believe there's any power of healing in the oil. We believe it's a symbol of the power of God that can heal you. So if you want to be prayed for for healing, you can come and we will pray for you. If you got a mother or a brother or a son or a daughter or a sister or a brother or a family member that you love and you're concerned about, maybe they need Jesus or maybe they need help or maybe they need something and you want to pray for them, come and pray for them. If you're carrying a heavy load in your life this morning and you want to pray, Just come and pray. So we're just going to take some time before we go to pray. Nobody's in a hurry right now. I wrapped up a little bit early. So we're going to pray before we go, okay? Let's sing, Alex.
bit of a, a benediction this morning. I want to pray, okay? So you want to bow your heads with me and just let me pray for you before you go. So, Father, the hope that we have is in Jesus. And the work that is being done in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we come before you this morning as people who work hard not to be influenced by the culture that we live in. But sometimes it's the greatest battle that we fight. Let us maintain kingdom values in the midst of a world who does not. And truly share together what it is to be a part of your community, Father. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to linger and pray if you like. I hope your day is great. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.